if you and I aren't the furthest thing from Tyler McComas and Parker Thune, I don't know what is. Hey, uh, the misdirection, man. man. Misdirection. Teddy Lehman, Travis Davidson, Connor on the board. Uh, we got a change-up today. Tyler's out. Parker's out. So it's going to be you and I the rest of the week, man. Hey, let's do it. Four-hour stretch. You're going to have to carry me. Uh, but, <laughs> man, uh, it's going to be fun. It's good. We ha- we don't we don't do a whole lot together, so this will get us a little bit of time to check in, talk some mess to one another, see where we uh, differ, see where we're the same. We can kind of review the season. We can review the bowl season, talk about the college uh, football national championship coming up. Hit some of the current event type things like Jimbo Fisher making an offensive coordinator hire. What's going on here? Oh, did we? Did I fall asleep and wake up in 2011 and I didn't know it? Oh, it's 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 funny because yeah, for those of you that haven't seen, um, ESPN has reported that they're finalizing a deal. Texas A&M is finalizing a deal with Bobby Petrino. Uh, to be their offensive coordinator. Now, there were rumors of this, Teddy, obviously, uh, that were coming out saying, hey, it looks like Bobby Petrino might be, or he was definitely getting an interview, and A&M fans were like, man, this might be the last straw. We are we are completely done with this program. This is ridiculous. I mean, this is, this is a fan base that goes through all their weird yells and midnight this, that, and the other, and the grabbing this, grabbing that, the woo, all this stuff. And they were like, Bobby Petrino is a bridge too far. So so when that doesn't happen and Petrino obviously takes the job out at UNLV, all the A&M fans are like, oh, okay, good. So maybe we're going after Garrett Riley or maybe we're going after, you know, some of the other, you know, candidates. Well, when, when they circle back around and make this announcement, that means that they struck out on everybody and had to come back to a guy who already the fan base had said, thank God we didn't get that guy. That is yeah. tough. That is tough. That's what it feels like. It, like, There's no way that Petrino was Jimbo Fisher's top choice. I don't, th- I don't think he's probably top three. I mean, Garrett Riley's probably one, two, and three, and if, if that's the point. I don't even – yeah, I don't know how far down the list you have to go, but, yeah, that's crazy, man. Now, I will say this. I think Bobby Petrino did a uh, – he did a good job at Missouri State. Yeah. We saw them in their – I think it was their first year in the 2020 season. I think I think his first game out of the gate was the COVID year on the road at Oklahoma was their first game. Uh, not easy, but turned them into a decent little team, had a chance to go beat Arkansas on the yeah. road. Um, so they did some decent things there. But, man, college football, whenever you're hiring an, an offensive coordinator or any position coach, it's a little bit different. The, the recruiting aspect of it, the the wow factor, the like, – recruits and quarterbacks Splash. and Splash. like there's got to be something to relate to it's such a weird weird hire i i am shocked by it i even if you struck out on the first 3 guys or the first 5 or the first 7 you you got to go somewhere like petrino to UNLV is that is like the perfect hire right for sin for city Odom. baby yeah you go out there, he's established, he can he can help kind of set everything up, get your ducks in a row, 
try and get you on the right path. He's done some rehab projects in his in his career. For that, it's it's a it makes a lot of sense at yep. UNLV. At Texas A&M, even though I know it's a rehab project right now, it yeah, it's just weird. Well, <laughs> it's and, fascinating. And the reason the Odom hire actually, you know, to me UNLV you talked about it. He just almost went and beat Arkansas. I mean, that was Odom that he was coaching against. So Odom right. saw it up close and personal and said, man, I really didn't like to prepare against this guy's offense. How about we bring him on and now he can run ours? That yeah. made a whole lot of sense to me. And that's common. I mean, yeah, that's why Coach Stoops hired Mike Leach at Oklahoma, right? Right. Th- there's, there's places where that makes a lot of sense. And then there's times whenever you don't like preparing for him and, man, I like that offense – but we just can't bring him here. Just can't do it. And, and here's, who's his quarterback coach? You know. Well, and and here's the thing. It's to your point. You know, there's a lot of things that should go into hiring an offensive coordinator, right? So, or any coach for that matter. It's splash. How kind of is he a big recruiter? Um, is this somebody the donors are going to fall in love with? Is, is this somebody that our current team is going to not jump in the portal over? Things like that. Like there are certain things. Do I like the way he runs his offense? How is he as a leader? Well. Petrino, the box that he theoretically would check would be the play calling, right? Would be the actual right. offense itself, right? Well, who's to say that Jimbo's going to let him run an offense? I mean, Jimbo, for you know, for his successes and then his obvious failures, it's all been cited to he will not give up the reins on his offense because that's what butters his bread. The only problem is he hasn't changed it in a decade. So if he's not willing to change and he's just got Petrino to come in as – an offensive coordinator, then what value does he have? Well, there is no way that Bobby Petrino's coming in to let Jimbo Fisher run that offense. No. There's no way. No. So there's two options here, and the more I think about it, I'm starting to lean towards option two. Option one, Jimbo Fisher tries to bring in an offensive coordinator – Interviews a bunch of a bunch of guys, reaches out to a bunch of guys, getting the cold shoulder. None of the top names are are really interested in the job, and he ends up having to circle back to to Bobby Petrino, who's done some good things. Probably could set up a really good offense there, lacking in the in the recruiting aspect, but we can make up for that with some nil, right? But the PR lacking in PR as right. well. That's option one. Option two is. Ego. Let's say you hire Garrett Riley. And Garrett Riley comes in, and all of a sudden, this offense is on fire. Why do they need you? One, well, and, and, and that's part of it, right? You don't want to hire your replacement, right? There's, right. A, uh, there's a guy that fixes watches uh, in Tulsa, and he's like the only like Rolex certified guy to, to, to work on them. Mm-hmm. And I had once asked him because he was going on this long vacation. I'm like, is there anybody else that, you know, in town works on watches? He goes, no, I've had a lot of people want me to train them, but I don't want to train my competitor. I don't want to train my replacement, right? Right. And to your point, yeah, the ego. I brought it up on Twitter. This is exactly, for those of you that have seen Hall Pass, this is exactly the scenario that they're in the club and, you know, they say, oh, man, you know, look at this pretty girl. And, you know, the OG goes, no, 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 watch this. She's surrounded herself with even less attractive women. Let me cover up the oh, less yeah, attractive yeah. <laughs> women. And the girl in the middle turns to a 10, and he moves his hands literally. He goes, 10? No. 10? No. That's and that's what funny. Jimbo's doing is if 
Jimbo is now not the biggest dirtbag by far on that staff. DJ Durkin killed a kid, and now he hires Petrino. <laughs> I mean, Jimbo looks like the Pope over there in College Station right now. Yeah, I, it's wild. I don't know. We don't have to spend all day on it. we got plenty of other things to talk about, but I was just um, uh, I was just fascinated by that. That caught me totally by surprise, and I forgot that he was even, you know, in the market for an offensive coordinator, and I assumed that Bobby Petrino was no longer even out there on the market, but what a wild hire. Man, um, that's going to be fascinating. But, man, you know, it sounds like there are rumors of other teams in the Southeastern Conference looking for offensive coordinators. Perhaps Alabama is looking for an offensive coordinator. Perhaps Georgia may be looking for an offensive coordinator after the season uh, finishes up for them. There's some there's some schools out there that are going to be hunting, searching. Uh, Garrett Riley's name is going to be it's going to be out there, and I know that he's probably uh, it, it would be not a shock, but doubt he would want to leave after just the first year and they're having this much success and but he's got to be realistic about you know some of the players they're losing losing a quarterback and he's got a big time opportunity right now he's probably going to be getting calls from everyone about offensive coordinator and he's going to be able to break the bank yeah well i think we've we've actually got kind of a cautionary tale extremely recently of why you should take advantage of your um, rise whenever you can, right? Look at Alex Grinch. Mm-hmm. Alex Grinch was interviewing for head coaching positions, not only at Tech but in the in the Pac-12 at other schools. I think he, there were three or four that were you know had him on the short list, right? Well, how does that how is that working now? I mean, our schools. Was, I think he was in for the Arizona State job this year. Yeah, yeah, but. Now that his now that former USC players are calling him out, current I mean nationally everybody's fire Alex Grinch, fire Alex Grinch. I mean just ba- just for the interest alone, he could absolutely end up a head coach one day. I'm not saying that he can't, but your your trajectory you have to hit that window when your name is the hottest. Go get that job because I mean you look at a guy like Matt Campbell, Matt Campbell. I mean, the year after Brock Purdy's junior year and Brees Hall's junior year and all that, where where they really, yeah. I mean, really had a, a a great team. That's the same year that five star culture beats five star talent. That was when his star was shining brightest, and he could have got a, a, a big time job. Now, are people really lining up for for Matt Campbell? I just think you have to, if you're if you're Riley here in this situation, if you're Garrett, you have to look at it. And if Bama comes calling, sure, yeah. I mean, Bill O'Brien's going to get a job, and Bama hates him. <laughs> so, right. I mean, you're you're going to if Georgia calls, if Alabama calls, you have to take advantage of that because TCU, what they've done is absolutely incredible. I mean, to get to the national championship in the first year under Sonny Dykes, to establish that quick culture and that quick identity and everything like that. I mean, the things have to break your way. But is TCU really going to be able to afford a? A, a two million dollar coordinator or two and a half million dollar offensive coordinator, and pay Sonny Dykes a national championship, you know, type of salary. I just don't know if TCU can do that, but I know Bama will, and I know Georgia will. Okay, well, on that thread, if 
you know, striking while the iron's hot. If you're Jeff Lebby and, you know, Alabama, because there's, there's been some rumors about yeah. Jeff Lebby in Alabama. If you're Lebby and Nick Saban calls, is that a job that you pursue? I think, you, I think Lebby weighs for a head coaching position. Because I think that we were having conversations earlier in the year, right, about Ole Miss. Because for some reason, everybody thinks Lane Kiffin is the hottest coaching candidate in the world right now, mm-hmm. which I'll never understand. But, but they lost like five or six straight to end the year, didn't right, they? Right, right. But there were conversations, right, yeah. with, with him early in the year going to Auburn, right? Like, oh man, it's it's all in on the Lane train to Auburn for some reason, which again, I never understood. But there was talk then of would Ole Miss circle back around and offer Lebby the head coaching job? So I don't think in the same few months or a couple months we can say, ooh, what about Lebby for an SEC head coaching position, but what should he take a coordinator position instead? I think his next job, it should be a head coaching job, and I think it will be a head coaching job. Yeah, that's probably right. Um, to To just take the other side of that, the the offensive coordinator position at Alabama has been a steady stream of coaches uh, taking that role. Some of them, you know, after having been at, at bigger roles previously, taking that position because of the athletes afforded to you going out and winning a championship. And I'm not not to say that those guys aren't great coordinators, right? Uh, but you know, you're you're going to have a really good chance to go win championships. And it's been a rocket ship to other great jobs. So, uh, you know, it is something to think about. We'll see what happens. Um, If you're an Oklahoma fan, it's got to be a little bit concerning. But at the same time, it kind of reinforces the hire and, and the fact that Lebby came here. And I know there was times where people were frustrated this season, but you know, and, and I, I I don't believe that Lebby had a full deck to play with pretty much the entire year. Um, yeah, it you know, validates it. Yeah, it it validates that hire and makes you feel feel really good that there's there's like Nick Saban wants your offensive coordinator. If that rumor is true, like that would that should make you feel pretty good. And yeah, like we started off without one of our tackles, like just pretty much constantly throughout the year, we had different things happening, and then. Ultimately, you know, the last game of the season, you're out all kinds of guys offensively, but we still found a way throughout the year. I think we ended up like what the number, like top 10 offense in the country in total offense. So still ended up being a a really successful year for you. Yeah. Um, And to your point, I mean, I I think to your validation point, right? I mean, if Saban wants Levy as an offensive coordinator, why are certain you know people trying to run him out the door at Oklahoma, right? So he's no good, he stinks, this, that, and the other. Well, I, I treat it the same way as recruits, right? It's anytime you have recruits that are that are maybe playing at, I don't know, Texas State or Coastal Carolina or Tulane or anything like that, well, if you look at their offer list and it's, you know, Tennessee, Penn State, you know, Auburn, USC, things like that, well, then that validates you going after him, right? I, I'm not saying just look at offer sheets to determine whether or not you should recruit a kid, but I don't think you should judge a kid based on where he played before if everybody in the country's after him. Yeah. 
No, I, I think uh, think it's a interesting conversation, and we'll see what happens with it. Um, who knows if any of the rumors are true, but we'll see what unfolds. All right, let's hit a quick opening timeout. We got a long show today. We're doing four hours. Teddy Lehman here, Travis Ooh. Davidson, Connor's in there on the board. Keep hitting the text line. I see him coming in. We'll get to some of those next. Six five one three four three nine. All right, we're back. Hour number one rolls on in studio. Six five one three four three nine. Air Comfort Solutions text line. Bring that screen up, Connor. I don't have it in here, so we can uh, get to some of these text messages. I've seen everyone firing them in. Um, Let's see. Let me get some ex-teammates and go to a Traber remote. Yeah, no thank you. <laughs> uh, what's y'all's take on OSU? Oklahoma State, man. I'm guessing they're talking about Oklahoma State. And what – why the purge of players going on? What's what's happening over there? Everyone's leaving. What, Brennan Green – Um just the numbers that continue to bail from Oklahoma State. They've lost so many of their of their relevant guys, their contributors. It, a place like Oklahoma State, like they've done an amazing job with their formula. The formula is, you know, you you try and recruit well, you turn over rocks, you get some good kind of project developmental players in. You're young. You know, you struggle, you 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 try and get by, you do a good job with what you've got. But as those guys get older, about every three or four years, they have a run up and they turn into a really good team. But now, because of the transfer portal, that they're being undercut on that. And I don't know how Oklahoma State is ever going to be able to replace the talent at the clip that they're losing it right now. This may be a this may be a hole that is dare I say impossible for Oklahoma State to climb out of. And I don't know what's I don't know what's causing it. Right. I mean, it's kind of like um like the market's going away from it, if you will, like their style that they've always done to your point, right? Mm-hmm. They get experience and every couple of years, they've got a little window like, okay, this is the year that it's all falling together, right? We got third and fourth year guys. It's kind of like, you know, when they when Malcolm Rodriguez and all those guys were on the team, like, all those guys were grown men. They had grown men on that mm-hmm. defense. And that's why Jim Knowles coached up, you know, what he did and they had a top five defense is because they were running 25-year-olds out there, it felt like. So with that, the model that OSU's had, it's, it's you know – it's done. It's you can't. It's the iPod. You know, you gotta you gotta eventually right. grow and you've got to transform. And here's the thing: sometimes Gundy, you're limited, though. I don't know. Well, but you're limited because of your approach. It makes no sense. L- look at Michigan State. I would argue that Michigan State they invest in Mel Tucker. They're doing great things on the recruiting trail. I mean, they're making a good dig into mm-hmm. Oklahoma actually with some of the C four kids, and they are they have all the things that Oklahoma State has going on. Right? They have. They have, you know, a good basketball program. They're in the same state as a blue blood that will always get more talent than them for the most part mm-hmm. and will always have the head-to-head, right, Michigan. And I think OSU, Gundy's just got a stranglehold on that entire – he's the face of the entire program, right? I mean, right. he is Oklahoma State. And he has said in press conferences he doesn't like the portal. Okay, I get it. But – you need the portal, so you better learn to like it. He but doesn't. I don't think anyone likes it, right? But you have to. Right. You have to use it, right? So, with that, 
recruiting. He's never recruited well, but this year's class maybe is his worst all time. So at now, this point, saying you don't like the portal is almost saying, "Well, I don't like the NFL draft." If you're if you're a coach, exactly. You know, so like you, you've got to use it. You got to try and keep. You got to re-recruit your guys. You got to, you know, keep your guys happy and engaged and. And putting your hands on your hips and saying, I don't like it. Yeah. Well, who cares? It's the way the sport's going. So either you're going to get left behind or you better change. you got to evolve, right? Right. So, and we see this happen across all kinds of interest, industries, whether it's, you know, the technology industry that's forced everybody to really evolve, whether it's restaurants evolving to carry out being so heavy now, like we were talking about, like, or whether it's evolving into the transfer portal. And Mike Gundy refuses to evolve. Spencer Sanders put out a tweet and deleted it immediately, of the hand-over-mouth laughing emoji. In Today? Today. Today. Oh, man. When all the wide receivers are leaving, the scuttlebutt is that he tried to come back, and he was told that they would rather have Brennan Armstrong from Virginia. And he was like, okay, the receivers found out, and now the receivers are all leaving. Wow. So... Um, so, is someone going to get a package deal with Spencer Sanders and four <laughs> wideouts? <laughs> kind of like, uh, kind of like the Clippers got uh, Paul George yeah. and Kawhi. Uh, right. That's why we got all of uh, all of our players. Uh, but. Well, I don't know. We'll see what happens with Oklahoma State. You know, I've, Gundy's been ruled dead before and has uh, somehow. He's the Undertaker rising up out of the casket every time and puts out another good team. We'll see what happens. Um, guy from Geyer. I think we're underestimating TCU. I'm not underestimating TCU. I think they're about to win the national championship. I think they're going to beat Georgia. Um, hot take-ish. Biased. Okay. Heavy rooting interest against Georgia. Sure. Um, a little bit of contrarian in there, perhaps. Just hoping for it, you know. Yeah. But I think they match up well. I think I think Georgia is was exposed a little bit by Ohio State. So yeah, I don't know. It's um it's fascinating. TCU, gosh, I wonder if they're just kicking themselves. Gary Patterson was there so long and it and it felt stagnant for the last four or five years. And you know, they're probably not, but I I guess I'm just saying is is TCU a uh, a model for everyone that's hanging on to something that's okay instead of you know trying to trying to make a hire out there that can flip things for you? Are we still talking about Oklahoma State? Maybe or A and M <laughs> or you know you can insert a bunch of schools right. into that. No, but I but I do think you bring up a good a good point. Right? It's don't be afraid. To you know, I know everybody says, "Well, the there's enemy." There's a lot on the straight. line, though, man. There's a lot on the line, but I mean, here's the thing. You know, I've been an OU guy for so long. Like we we talk about right, like, hey, we we compete for titles around here. If you aren't making moves to compete for titles, then keep it moving. Like you need to you yeah. need to make moves. Like Mike Gundy, at at this stage in his career, doesn't seem like he can win you a national title. But Oklahoma State's never won national titles. They bought one from Army. Like, <laughs> right. so it's like, like at what point I just can't imagine being a football fan and just knowing going into every season and perhaps my lifetime that I will never f- see a national championship because that's just not what we do here. Like, right. so I, I think it's hard for at least me to speak on for that perspective, but 
I mean, Gary Patterson gone. He was an institution there. Yeah. I mean, he was the face Statue of the program. Outside. I mean, just sweat and all. Just, you know, Gary Patterson was it. Do you think he coaches again? Like a head coaching role? Yes. I think he it sure it sure, well, I don't know. I don't I don't know the man. It felt like there for a little bit though whenever he took that Texas job, it was almost to spite TCU. Yeah. You know? Cuz that was kind of their rival, right? You know, and he took that job and and Texas got off to a good hot start and everyone was talking about Gary Patterson and he was you know, he was putting these comments out about, "Hey, I'm just one of the guys here" and all of that stuff, but it felt like he really enjoyed the attention that he was getting. But I don't know how do you how do you feel right now? Your first year gone, and they're playing in a national championship. That has to hurt. Can't feel good. That has to hurt. Can't feel good. But you know, and that's what that's what's uh, you know funny about it. All the all these people that are like, well, I bet OU fans are mad seeing Lincoln Riley, you know, go on and win this many games. No, no, it makes us feel validated and correct we tried to tell you that the strength and conditioning program and the defense were going to hold you back and guess what happened on national television for all to see special teams and the defense i think this is interesting uh text from Derek. i think guys like gundy and harbaugh are just too old school thinking in terms of college football and the new era we're in would you include harbaugh in that well just because he wears khakis i don't i mean i think I think maybe with Harbaugh, it's it, maybe it's less about recruiting and portal, and it's more about maybe he wants to go to the NFL and continues to sniff around with the NFL, yeah. and, um, and maybe that's like a that's like a recruiting thing. Because why would you leave Michigan where you've got the program at the best you've got it right now, unless you're just sick of the you know re-recruitment of your own players, recruiting high school kids. Um, I think there's a I think there's got to be a way to thread the needle. Uh, you have to adapt to the times. You have to be willing to to go to the portal, to do some NIL stuff in recruiting. But I don't think you abandon all of your principles in order to do that and I I think that you can see some of the the positives in the way that Venables is doing because He's adamant about, you know, not wanting to make a living off of the portal, right? He wants the guys that he brings in, he wants them to feel loved. He wants them to feel like they're a part of it. He wants them to stay here, develop, be feel like even when they're young, they're a piece of the winning and, you know, be, be humble and hungry enough to stay and develop and wait their turn and go do it themselves. But at the same time, Understand that you do have to supplement your roster with transfer portal guys. You do have to be proactive in the NIL and and do some things and go out there and, and win some tough battles in recruiting and in transfer portal. Right? Um, I think there's a, I think there's a, like I said, you, you've got to thread the needle because there's other places that I think that are are all in on the NIL and all in on the portal and you know I don't know necessarily that that that's the best way to do it in building a culture and 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 building a team that's together and not just a year by year frankenstein unit you know so i don't know we're really i think we're really too 
quick into the process to figure out what the right balance is. Right. Because yeah. we're only, what, we're two years in to the portal being basically wide open game and the NIL stuff. So things will settle out. I think legislation will settle out. And they'll, I think there's going to eventually be some stability where right now it feels like the Wild West. And, you know, it's it's – it's not easy to figure out the right way to do it, especially whenever, you know, take a guy like Gundy. You've been a head coach for, what, 20 years? Uh, not quite. Uh, he's not 20-year head coach, but he's knocking on the door. Yeah, close enough. You've been doing it one way for a long time and have had, you know, relatively for what Oklahoma State has done, the the most success as a program sustained that they've had. And now all of a sudden you're basically getting that door slammed shut on you. Yeah. It's and, tough. And I think – you brought up a really good point just right off the bat, right? Talking about having it aligned with your same principles and your processes, right? Like if you – I think the transfer portal for the most part is the fad diet. It's the crash diet. It's it's the I want to get to this number. I want to get to this number on the scale really quickly. So I'm going to try and change everything that I do to try and do this. Whereas if you just – kind of like Venables was talking about after – uh, the Florida State about not coaching to the scoreboard, but instead coaching with the processes and making sure that the work's the right way and everything like that, is if you just get yourself on a diet that you can sustain, on a workout regimen that you can sustain, then you're going to be in better shape five to ten years down the road than the person that constantly has to crash diet and yo-yo diet, right? So I feel like if you put everything through the lens of the correct process, whether that's recruiting, whether that's developing, whether that's transfer portal, if you all put it through that process and that foundation that you've built, then you're going to be fine. Because if you go after guys that didn't fit you in recruiting, well, they probably don't fit you in transfer portal either. And they probably aren't going to fit you throughout the offseason either. So that's the thing. I think I think that's why this, this program has cared so much about why guys have left, right? It's like, okay, you may have interest to know you, but why why are you leaving your current program? Right. Is it personal issues? Do you have off-the-field issues? There's going to be some research there. Yeah, exactly. So, Because, like I said, you recruit your problems, right? So with- Well, and then every now and then there's a guy that – So, Oklahoma, I don't – I think they're doing good stuff culturally. But I don't know that they're at the point right now – if you get to a point where you're rock solid culturally, your locker room and – like that's that's what it is. You're over the hump. You've got the the mass group of your your team is, you know, committed doing yeah, things the right core. way. It's easier to take a guy that may be a little bit more of a problem because you come into a locker room like that, you stick out like a sore thumb, and you, you just you can't do it. Right. Right. But if you go into a locker room where there's there's some weakness there, and you could chip away at a couple of other guys, it can become a problem. And you know, they just may not be there right now. And I love the diet thing. And as we go to break, I was just thinking, it's like, I understand the fad diet and I understand the making the proper changes to something that's sustainable. But I know OU fans are like, we need to fad diet, hit the goal weight, and then transition. And then deal with the processes. No, <laughs> yeah. that's not how that works. And then you get into <laughs> something that's sustainable. You've got to have the crash diet early. I uh, get it. All right, let's hit a quick timeout. More coming up. we got a four-hour show today. Teddy Lehman here, Travis Davidson. He keep hitting us on the text line. I see him coming in, 651-3439. All right, we're back. Hour number one rolls on in studio, 651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions. Text line, Teddy Lehman here, Travis Davidson. Connor in on the uh, on the board handling the business. See the text coming in. 
Uh, uh, is that what we're referring to, Texas A&M? Now that the the first one up there, <laughs> that's great. Um, it, I think the transfer portal stuff is like for for Oklahoma right now. The transfer portal is a blessing, like to be able to go out and it ain't easy. You know, the caliber players that Oklahoma's trying to trying to get in on and bring in are, you know. It's it's NFL free agency is what is it what it is. Uh, if you think the the high school recruiting NIL stuff is 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 difficult, well, the transfer portal NIL stuff is a totally different beast. This is NFL free agency, not the draft. Okay, <laughs> the draft they pay you they pay you well. I'm not saying they don't, but you know, you see what those uh, see what a, a NFL quarterback gets on his free agent contract, not not the signing day contract. It's a it's a totally different animal. But you know, the the part of that is you're getting a, a kid that's already been coached, that understands college football, already has top production at at a school somewhere. You can see film of him playing against like talent or even better talent on better teams. You know, how you move, like how does he transition in some of the the schemes that you see at the collegiate level, whether it's offense or defense. So it's totally different, man. And it's got a chance to, for a place that has the resources like a USC, they go from four and eight, not having a lick of talent to having a Heisman Trophy winner and one of the best offenses in all of college football like that. Yeah. You know, and they get guys from Oregon, from Pitt, uh, from Oklahoma, some of some of the top schools from the from a season ago, top offenses. They got you know offensive line talent. They even got you know people that may say, "Where is it?" There's some defensive talent there that they <laughs> they brought in. Imagine if they hadn't even hit the the portal on defense. So, you know, it's interesting, and that was one of the things. There was obvious reasons why I didn't want to see USC have just a – I didn't want them to be terrible, and I was realistic about what was going on there because of their schedule. But I didn't want them to make the playoff, selfishly perhaps, because I didn't want college football – like had USC gone to the, the playoff and who knows, won a game – can you imagine what the transfer portal would have descended into? It's like, that's how you do it. Yeah. Because it's copycat, man. This is – if you like the three-three-five defense, congratulations. If you hate it, well, I feel bad for you because everyone in college football is about to mimic what TCU did because they're a team that, whenever you look at it compared to Michigan and compared to Georgia that they're about to play – inferior players defensively and this gives you a chance. The 335 is the spread offense of college football. Uh, yeah. It's about to be absolutely everywhere. Well, and to your point, there are casual fans that had no idea what a 335 was until JJ McCarthy says, "Hey, if they run that 335, we're going to bring the bring the Big 10 to the Big 12." Well, well, you lost. So, that's the thing. If you it, it, I think it, it sped up or maybe it exacerbated 
what the copycat league will do. But to your point, yeah, I mean, I, I feel that way about NIL, like on a on a pay for play, because like NIL can bro- be broken down into two things, right? Pay for play and actual name image likeness. Mm-hmm. Like, so the A and M's, um, Miami's. Um, Tennessee to a point, maybe Louisville. Like they're they're the ones, especially AM last year, at the forefront of pay for play. Well, people ask, man, what's gonna slow down this NIL stuff, man? Everybody goes after the bags. You know what's gonna slow it down is a few more five and seven seasons from AM because they had or transfers, like the, the amount of transfers they right. had from that class last year. Right. And that's the thing. We still don't, and to your point earlier, like we've got to wait. We probably won't know for another five to ten years what the actual effect of it is. But we still, you look at Miami, they bought everybody. Guess what? They stunk this year. A&M stunk this year. Well, at least in Miami's case, they're buying everyone again. Well, right. They're, <laughs> they're going back. They're going back. That's one thing about rich people. They just think, right. oh, spending money didn't work. We must spend more money. It'll work. Well, Trust me. There's rich and I know Texas A&M has a lot of rich donors, Ruizes. but then there's billionaires, yeah, right? And he's got enough money to turn college football's lights out, and he right. it appears to be uh, dead set on doing exactly well, that. What's funny is, and I got a, a really good buddy of mine that's a, that's a big Florida guy, and uh, he was just so annoyed with him because every time it came down to a Florida versus Miami battle, you know, they'd pick Miami, and Ruiz was bragging about it on Twitter and everything. Well, there was a Texas fan – um, that had gone after Ruiz on a thread or something like that, and Ruiz replied to him. My Florida buddy messaged me and said, "Oh, please, Ruiz, go after Texas commits. <laughs> like, please go after Texas targets. Like, like turn your gaze, turn the the Sauron, you know, the eye of Sauron, turn the gaze to Texas. Stop coming after our targets." But you're right. But when when it comes to that success on the field, I'm still not a believer that having a bunch of 18 year old millionaires try and show up at 5 a.m. for a a workout. I don't mm-hmm. I don't feel like that model may be successful. Was it uh, Marvin Hagler that said? Um, it's it's impossible to wake up and do road work at 5 a.m. if you slept in silk pajamas, I yeah. think is the quote. And that's the thing. How do you expect to get the most out of your guys if they're making more than the guy telling them you know, what to do? Well, we're watching the NFL highlights right here on ESPN, and that's exactly how it is in the NFL. So is, the difference in the NFL is it is a cutthroat business. All right? You show up late to work, guess what? They find your ass. All right? You you miss a meeting, they find your ass. You walk into a meeting 10 seconds late, they find your ass. You walk out on the field a little bit late after getting your ankles taped whenever they're already in team stretch, they find your ass. They make it, you know, yeah, they force the issue. It's a that's the difference and but you the, can't do that in college. The way it's structured in college is you have you have no recourse on anything. Right. Like you don't anyways. Like NIL aside, it's like you've you've that's why the culture is so important, is because like, all the guys have to do is realize that and this is one of the problems that, that kind of got us to where we are now is everyone started to realize like what if we don't want to work out in the summer? Yeah. What if we don't want to do two days? Revolution. <laughs> what if we don't want to be out on the field for three hours? There's a compliance office right up there, and all it is is a simple, you know, we were five minutes over in our workout today. We went, instead of two hours, we went 205. You walk up to compliance, and it's it's a game changer. 
Yeah. And guys figured that out. So, I don't know. All right, we're late for a timeout. Quick break. More from the rush coming up. Meant to get to some text messages last segment. We'll get to them next segment. Hopefully. Stay with us. All right, we're back. Final segment, hour number one. I lied. I said we were going to get to some text messages. The last segment went too long. So, (laughs) we're so short here, we're not going to be able to. But, um... Yeah, we were just talking over the break about some of the transfer portal stuff. And, you know, I, I think Oklahoma still has plenty of moves to make. Yeah, offensive line, wide receiver, uh, hopefully maybe a, an, another addition on the on the defensive line. Um we need some more we need some more depth. And I think the quality of portal guys in this in this later round is as you brought up is it's going to be really good. The, the teams that played in really good bowl games and are now out and, you know, guys didn't want to opt out of a really good bowl opportunity could be hitting that transfer portal and Oklahoma could be poised now um, to uh, to make some big headway. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two is next.